0: never in the history of calm downs has anyone actually ever calmed down from being thought, told to calm thought down about that
1: recently too yeah you know, it's like, the least helpful thing someone's to do.
0: difficult they could be like you're being difficult yeah. like
1: whoa, yeah oh yeah. like nobody you, responds to that yeah that's yeah. not
0: gonna be a, that's not gonna be a helpful situation
1: we are here because we know the outcomes in our lives are within our control That taking absolute ownership of how we eat, sleep, train, think, and connect with each other is how we'll optimize our health and happiness. That chasing excellence is how we grab hold of what is possible. Our mission is to live on the run. Always chasing. Never stopping. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Chasing Excellence. How are you, sir? I'm good. Today we're going to dive back into a three-by-three. Uh, three by three is when we take three ideas and we get your three hot takes on those ideas. So today, no. today we're going to do three, gy- three numbers every gym owner should know, three ways to get organized, and three ways to deal with difficult people. Cool. Love it. Let's do yes. the gym one first. So three numbers every gym owner should know. Okay. So there's essentially like a qualitative and a
0: quantitative aspect to running your business. One is the, the qualitative, um, I'm sorry, uh, yeah, the qualitative, like the quality of the service, quality the product, very hard to put a number to it. Yep. Um, we want to create strong relationships. Yep. We want to be very customer centric. We want to, um, um, have this certain feel and yeah. vibe in the, the gym, brand, the brand that we've talked culture, about, culture, community, yeah. all that stuff. Yep. It's hard to put some, it's possible to put some numbers in that. If you are putting numbers to that, here's the deal is you want to make sure that they are leading indicators, not lagging indicators, Mm, which means, so a a leading indicator, it means that it's going to drive towards what you're getting, not Mm. because we don't want to do is just like do historical, (laughs) historical um, analysis of like, this is what we did. This is what we did. What you want to do is start to get some projective things. I'm not going to, I don't want to dive down too far into that role, uh, that, but there's the, there on the other side, there is the, um, more quantitative, Yep. the really every business. So forget about gym or anything else or every business should know three numbers. So these are kind of like the permission to play. Yeah. So <laughs> after these three, I'll give my real three, okay. which is, um, total customers, it is your revenue and your profit. Like you just have to know those numbers. Do you have 200 members? Do you have 225 members? Do you have 85 members? Um, you wanna know if those are active members, um, not people on hold or canceling the waitings and wings. You really wanna know that number. The next is revenue, which is simply, I mean, I think a lot mm-hmm. of people know, it's just how much money are you taking in, profit is um a really interesting number that i think people in our space get wrong they're mm. not calculating true profit okay so profit two things profit is what's um when you take revenue minus expenses forget about like ebitda and taxes and um all that but it on a really baseline level it is um, how much um, revenue minus expenses equals profit mm-hmm. Okay. So what a lot of gym owners will do is, okay, we made, um, $200,000. My expenses were $150,000. That means we made $50,000. So $50,000 trickles down into their bank account. Nope. You haven't paid yourself yet. Mm. You need to put your owners. What is your worth as your role in the business? Mm. That's an expense. If your role in the business is worth $65,000, by that example, your business lost $15,000 that year. Mm -hmm. It's not what's left over. Here's the second side of profit. It's just that. It's not the amount of money that's left over after expenses. It is telling you how much money you get to spend from your revenue. Profit should be set before the year and it's going to be in, it's going to be instructive and prescriptive for mm. how much you're spending, not reactive in what's left. Interesting. So yeah. if you, in that same example, if you make, um, $200,000 as a gym in revenue, and you want to say, we want to be at 10% profit. That means that you get to spend $180,000 that year and no more mm-hmm. you're. But you could be 25% profitable or you could be 1% profitable. You could be flat. A lot of startup companies actually run red and they lose money every single year. It's something that you want to be intentional about and not just let happen. So in our business, the two major mistakes that people are doing is they're not taking the owner's salary. And I say owner's the role you play in the business. If you're truly an owner, then it is what's left over afterwards. But most of us are not absentee owners. We play roles in the business. If you are the head coach, if you are the gym manager, if you are the, um, the visionary, whatever, what is that worth to you in your business? You have to put that on the expenses line.
1: Um, before we continue, um, in that scenario, are they taking money out of the business and that's, that, that's an obvious expense, but then on top of it, they're not, they're not considering something else. Or is it that they're not taking any business, any money out of the business at all? And, for themselves or their salary? Yeah. Yeah. It's not even a line,
0: it's not even a line item. What's okay. happening is they're just, um, $200,000 comes in, yep. they spend, you know, their expenses end up being $190,000, $10,000 left over. And they're like, wow, I made $10,000 this year. Yeah. No. That's a really that's not great to be working right. in our business seventy five hours a week for right. ten grand a year. Right. So instead, is beforehand figure out what you and pay yourself. Now, in some in some um, states you can't. If you're an LLC, you can't take a salary, mm-hmm. but you just line item. It if, if you physically it has to be um, a, a a a pay through. It has to go right through. But still, from accounting perspectives, you need to know truly is your business making money or not. Got it. If we get past that kind of like buy-in yeah. of members revenue. I would go to the next level, which would be, um, not just members, but what is your average daily attendance? Mm. In twofold. First off, how many people are attending each class? You yep. really want to know the the class averages, so you can start to figure some things out. A lot of people are adding more classes and more yeah. classes on, when that's not going to solve any problems because you have you're so under capacity in your current classes. Yep. You're just you're just exacerbating the same problem of paying your coaches, and not getting enough members in. Mm-hmm. So you need to really know um, how many um, people are attending each class. It really will also uh, pull the light some like staffing issues: who's really good, who could mm-hmm. use some help. Mm-hmm. What are the peak times? When do we need more front desk help? We need more bodies in the gym from a team staff perspective. That's really eye-opening experience and really good numbers to watch change and morph as um, as you bring new people on the team and so on. The next one would be. Um, staying with the membership is how many people are attending classes every day. Mm-hmm. So really how are your, are your customers using your business? Yep. What we should be shooting for in our industry is somewhere between 50 and 60%. Um, if you have a 70% of your average,
1: let's say you have a hundred members. If you have 70 members walk through the door every single day, you're killing it. Mm-hmm. That's phenomenal. Do you have a, um, that, the first number you said The kind of the in-class percentage? Is that the same idea where you want, like how, how do you know if, Okay. That's, that's
0: actually a hard absolute number. So it's like in the eight, five 30 AM class yep. is there eight people?
1: Okay. So you just ninth... set it for yourself. You know what a good, what the right number is. No, or... you want to
0: track it because yep. every gym is going to be different. Yep. Right. So in our, um, we are a morning centric gym. So our morning classes are 20 plus, mm-hmm. you know, the average like between 20 and 26. Our evening classes are closer to, um, you know, in the teens, like mm-hmm. 15, 17, 18. What that, what that means is we need to pay more attention to the evening classes. Yep. It's no surprise. I know the reason. Right. I'm not here in the evenings. I go home at 535 every single day. So yep. what you do is I need to focus on bringing greater leadership to those later classes. Got it. That's where our growth opportunity is. If you just try to smush more people into the morning classes. Yeah. You're not solving the qual- a problem. The quality
1: actually might start to suffer. Exactly. Yeah.
0: The people in the evening have the same product or potentially
1: worse. And the people in the morning class have a worse product. Yeah. So you need to solve a problem, Got not it. just... And that's what that tra- tracking those numbers exactly. actually does. Got it. Yep. Okay. So in class and uh, daily percentage use, right? Yeah. So
0: hard numbers for each yep. class. Yep. Um, track that across time. And then um, how many people are actually showing up in total to Got the gym it. percentage-wise of your actual membership. Got it. Um, and again, we should be shooting for 50, 55%. You know, just a... Put that into perspective, a Globo gym shoots for like 10 to 15%. Right. They're hoping people don't come, Yeah, <laughs> but our, our memberships are too expensive. People yeah. aren't showing they're going they're to not, cancel. Okay. Maybe yeah. not next week, but certainly within the, the quarter.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay.
0: Those two numbers, or do you consider that one number? I consider that one number Okay, yeah. instead of just members. Yeah. Let's dive a little bit deeper. Next one is instead of, um, revenue, let's figure out what is driving revenue. I say that most people are going to kind of lean towards marketing mm. I think of it differently. I think of it in terms of we're not having a problem getting people in the door. Mm-hmm. We're having a problem keeping people. Mm-hmm. People, it's, it sounds strange, people know about the party. Yep. They are, a lot of people are coming in the party and, you know, sticking around for a beer or two. Yep. And then a lot of people are leaving because they, they don't feel like that they're, this is their group of people. Yeah. We need to get people to stay at the party longer. So you can measure that a whole bunch of different ways. Um, the common words are like retention. Yep. Next, maybe not quite as common, is churn. Um, Another way would be um, average lifetime value. You can measure. I don't care which one of those you measure, but you should be measuring one of those things. Retention is how many of your members are you holding month over month. I actually like churn. Churn to me is a lot more aggressive. Mm -hmm. If you have 100 members and you you lose starting with, that's kind of the difference is. Retention, the problem with retention is if you have 100 members, 10 leave and 10 join, it looks like you have 100% retention. Mm -hmm. You didn't. Your churn rate tells a little bit better of a story. Your churn says if you have 100 members and five leave, because what number you start with at the beginning of the month, how many left during the month? Mm -hmm. Your churn rate is 5%. -hmm. We want to bring our churn rate down below 10%. That's a really good kind of number for us. What we'll see is if you track this month to month, man, this is really cool and really eye-opening. You'll see where your major touch points are, your your major crucial points. And you'll see that... A lot of people are doing a really good job turning people from their elements program into members. That conversion rate's really good. Their churn rate between those two months is really low. But then the first month, second month, and third month, the churn rate is drastically different. Yeah. And what you see is if this is most gyms, if you can hold people on for four or five, six months, the churn gets lower and lower and lower what we need to do then is find particularly where is the biggest drop-offs from month to month. This is your biggest opportunity. Mm -hmm. And you put an extra touch point or two right there. So if you find like, okay, people are sticking through the first month, they're kind of leaving after that second month. Okay, during the second month, you do a one-on-one session. Mm -hmm. You do a phone call to them. You do a, you make sure that three times in that week you go and have a conversation with them after class. You comment on their social, like whatever you do to, Put metrics in place. Put triggers in place to make sure that that um, you're 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 cutting that off at the source. Um, and the last one is again profit, but understanding profit at a deeper level. Mm-hmm. It's not just that that number. It's not a reactive. It's being proactive mm-hmm. with it. So it. three numbers, I would say, to kind of recap that. Yep. Is um, membership, but take a dive. It's more about attendance active per use. class, active use. Um, it is revenue. But not necessarily just that top line number. It's the thing that's going to drive revenue more than anything else, which is retention, not getting more people through the door. Kind of a paradigm shift there. And the third one would be profit, but it's not profit. It's not what's left after expenses. It's you deciding, do you want to grow the business? If you do, you're going to spend up to the limit. If you're not in growth mode, Mm -hmm. okay, then let's see what we can kind of get to drop to the bottom line after you pay yourself. Mm -hmm. Kind of perspectives there is anywhere between 20 and 30% would be really strong numbers for profit for gyms.
1: Got it. All right. Moving on to the next one. Three ways to get organized. Okay. Um, so I think that for
0: getting organized, the biggest thing to do is to start with a really... I'm going to put these in order a little bit. Yep. So start with a really high level, which is get it out of your head and mm. onto something. Yeah. Like it may create a list. And if you want to go like Um, geek out in terms like the Eisenhower matrix, you know, is it urgent and important, all that stuff like cool. But um, the biggest thing is like, get it out of your head and put it on a physical thing that you can see, whether it's a, um, a planner, whether it's um, a calendar, whether it's um, just literally on a sticky note, whether it's on a chalkboard or a whiteboard is you gotta, in order to get organized, whatever it is, you got to create the list. And that's organized, whether it's like the the issues you're dealing with in your business, or I need to, um, organize, um, my, the kitchen, or I need to, um, figure out how to,
1: um, get control of my kid's schedule, whatever it is. Yeah. Um, David Allen, I think he's the author of, um, yeah, but but the thing, one thing that he says that I love is that your head is good for having ideas, not for holding them or it's it's meant for having ideas and not for holding them. That's great. His whole getting things done is the idea of literally getting it out of your head and onto a, into a system so that you don't have to, you know, psychologically hold onto it forever. Beautiful. Yeah. Um, so from there, the next thing I would do is, um, prioritize Mm. that list.
0: And, um, I'm going to kind of skip right to the third one, (laughs) um, which is after you prioritize it, if as you're prioritizing, you realize that any of these things, this is the David Allen thing. It's yeah. so funny. You mentioned him. Yeah. If it's going to take you less than two minutes, don't oh, even worry about, about prioritizing it. Yeah. The two yep. minute rule. If it's going to take less than two minutes, don't even bother writing it down. Stop just and do just it. do it right then. <laughs> yeah. It's gone. You're going to take more time. What people do is they spend more time filing it, thinking about it, putting it here. It's this, like email thing, right? Yeah, like, that's like, yeah. I'm not going to answer this right now. I'll put yeah. it in. A folder, yeah. or I'll leave it in my inbox, yep. and then you end up opening it three more times, no. and it just clutters the yeah, whole deal. I'm,
1: I'm guilty of that often, yeah. That's so I forgot about email. That if real.
0: an email comes in and it's gonna take you less than two minutes to respond, just do it now, it's gone for it. That's like it's gone. Same thing with like, um, if you're organizing your kitchen mm-hmm. and you um are about to do like, you're like, oh man, I really should. Um, there's four dirty dishes in the sink. Mm-hmm. Should I do that first? Cause prioritizing is really important. Yep. It is super important. You want to do the most meaningful things first, but there's this caveat of if it's going to take less than too much, just start, just get them done. This yep. is kind of like the way they say, like, um, to get out of debt, mm. the way to get out of debt is to create a list of everything that you owe for every single thing. And then what they do is they don't go to prioritize. Don't take the biggest one. Don't find the one with the most Mm. amount of expenses, the biggest, highest interest rate. They literally say, find the one. You can
1: kill. That you can kill. Exactly.
0: (laughs) Get the one that you can pay off completely. And now it's off the shelf. You don't think about it anymore. And And you get that win. And they get the win and they work from the bottom up. Yeah. Now, I think you can take this kind of... I think we should be working from... Because if we... um, you know, getting organized is a matter of like uh um getting all the, the, the cords and the wires out of the drunk drawer that like and make sure that all the paper clips are lined up in order. Like yeah, okay, that's that sounds cool. like something Heather does like oh, on the I'm, weekend. I'm, I'm refer- <laughs> this is not, I'm not just pulling this out. Yeah, this is Um That's cool, but is that gonna move the needle as much as like figuring out your kids, you know, driving schedule? Like that might be a little bit more important. So um, you got to kind of prioritize and play this two-minute drill back and forth on top of each try. other. Two-minute drill. I like
1: that. Nice yeah. nice reference. All right. Cool. Yeah, um, two-minute <laughs> rule. No, two-minute rule. I, I <laughs> Two-minute drill, I, too. I, here we go. On set o'clock. Um, all right. Last one. Uh, three ways to deal with difficult people.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, first is it's gonna it's it's a a part of life yeah it's like yeah the easy answer
1: would be avoid them entirely yeah right but that's not gonna happen and then what
0: people ends up happening is they think their expectations are that they're not gonna have to deal with people so when they get to when it comes up they're shocked and they're frustrated yeah that's true yeah like the first deal this is like dude realize it's a part of the deal it's like you're not gonna get along with everybody other people are going to come with different sets of life stories life experiences you don't know what they just went through which leads to kind of my first one which is um give people the benefit of the doubt and don't judge them you immediately go into this place of like oh this person this can be tough like oh god like when you immediately go there you are switching into like defensive mode you need to kind of realize heather's the best i've ever seen about this thing. don't judge me for it she's so phenomenal like you know you might see like um Someone driving down the highway with a baby in a car seat on top of their car. She's like, "Oh, you, but you don't know what they're going through." It's like, "Hey, that, that's bad." It's like, "You don't know. Like, you, can't, you should never judge." Yeah, it's like, I'm judging that yeah, one. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, But yeah, I hear. That. Yep. She's like, like yeah. you, uh, you see a you see a parent yelling at a kid in a grocery yeah. store. Like, you don't know if you're catching him at that one because we've, yeah. yep. we've all done it. I don't. Is we've all done it. It's just imagine of like, but immediately we go to like, oh my god, that poor kid. What yeah. a bad parent. Like. Yeah. So that's the first one is like, don't make that leap. Yeah. Don't judge. Instead, give people the benefit of the doubt. If you assume people are cheaters, dishonest, trying to scam you, they're it, they're more likely to do just that. Yep. If you assume people have your best interest at heart, they're trustworthy. This is kind of like psychology 101 yeah. type, even sociology. Um, just give people the benefit of the doubt. Yeah. That would be step one.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, step two is what we've talked on the podcast before, dealing with difficult people, is Tactful conflict resolution, Mm -hmm. which is a step-by-step system of how to deal with issues and problems and conflict. Yeah. Um, If someone is um, being difficult, whatever that you fill in the blank of what that means, the first thing to do is to distrust your natural gut reaction, which is to defend yourself. Yeah. It's this humanistic, hormonal thing, fight or flight. Someone's attacking, difficult. They're not going to be amicable. Now they're an enemy. Now you either need to fight them or run away. Mm -hmm. You need to distrust that. What you need to do is realize that that's going to happen. Try to pull back your hormonal response and create some space. And create this little gap, whether it's, you know, um, Victor Frankl, stimulus response, that gap between is your ability to have reason, choice. What some people would be best at is someone attacked them. They go, um, okay, because they can't do it. They'd be like, um, I need five minutes. Yeah. I need, um, can I talk to you about this tomorrow? And just like, create the space. Yeah, That might be what you need to do. Now, I hope that we can move past that and we can get to this next one, which is after you distrust your natural gut reaction you simply realize it's happening instead of defending yourself you just sit there and listen Mm -hmm. and that's not formulating your response that's not waiting for your turn to talk it's not trying to get into a debate but listen to the person giving them the benefit of the doubt appealing to their nobler motive and what you're trying to do is actually see it from their perspective you're actually trying to see like okay can I figure out why they're pissed off? Mm-hmm. Not like, what am I going to do? They're yelling. Like, can I figure out why this person's being so difficult? I, I There's this um, idea of um, sympathy and that's mm-hmm. what a lot of people default to immediately mm-hmm. with difficult people or people. sympathy is like, I feel so bad for you. Yeah. Like don't try not to go there because now you are, you feeling bad for somebody doesn't help anything. Yeah. There's this next thing, which is empathy, which is way, way past it, which is, um, essentially like Brene Brown uses the analogy of the well, like mm. sympathy is like someone falls in a well, you look over the edge and go, Oh, that sucks. <laughs> like I feel so bad for you. It yeah. really must suck down there. That's what sympathy is. Yeah. Whereas compassion, um, um, empathy is you actually like going down in the well and sitting in the darkness with them. Yep. That's a lot more powerful. Some people just yep. want that. Yep. There's a next level, which Brene Brown doesn't talk about. I don't know if she does this car. Co- consciously or not, but which is compassion Mm -hmm. and compassion is I'm going to get down in the well and I'm going to see if I can work with you to get us out of this thing together. Mm -hmm. And that's like the most meaningful. And that's what we're trying to do when you listen sincerely to this person. So step one, don't defend. Step two, listen sincerely, completely, aggressively, compassionately. Step three is the first words that come out of your mouth are thank you. Mm -hmm. It has to be, thank you, and right when you do that, you are diffusing the situation. Thank you, we're on the same page. Then you admit mistakes. If someone's dealing with a difficult person, you admit mistakes, and then finally you ask them for advice in terms of a resolution. Mm -hmm. If you do that, all of a sudden, people that were at once difficult start to not be as difficult, Mm -hmm. Um, but some people remain difficult. And that's gonna happen it's you're not going to change them in that case your environment matters too much mm. I would take my third piece of advice would be remove them cut them out of your life yeah. completely heather's a great example of this as well if um if she has a friend that complains about um so she's in a group of like uh, moms that um from the school yep and if one of those moms complains about their family or their spouse their husband a lot um she gives them like two more chances and then she's like I'm out. Mm-hmm. I'm out. Are you, are does she
1: do it out loud or does she just sort of quietly remove herself from? Both. The,
0: yeah. Yeah. I think it's not a fastened rule. Like I'm going to tell the person this, right. yeah. but she'll do it. Yeah, um, um, she'll do it for sure. And if the person doesn't change, you know, it's a lot of times it's just um, um, a quiet, like, you know, um, soft, mm-hmm. like little nudge. I'm mm-hmm. um, trying to steer the conversation or bring awareness to it a little bit. Um not aggressive. That's one of my pieces of advice is not to come over the top. Mm. Like you're being difficult. Like that's <laughs> not going to help anything. Right. Yeah. It's kind of like, uh, never in the history of calm downs. Has <laughs> anyone actually ever calmed down from being told, thought, told to I calm down? About
1: that recently too. Yeah. You know, it's like, the least helpful thing. Someone's to
0: difficult. They could be like you're being difficult. Yeah. Like, Whoa. Yeah. <laughs> Oh then, yeah. Like nobody you, responds to that. Yeah. A, that's uh, yeah. not going to be, a, that's not gonna be a helpful situation. Yeah. So instead of that, you need to take it and like, work, work
1: through your filtering system. Everything you said is really a hundred percent about what you can do in that scenario. It's not at all about how do I make this person less difficult? Cause that's not ultimately within your control. It's only, how do I, how do I respond to this?
0: Yeah. It's, how do you deal with a difficult person? You deal with yourself. Yeah, You deal with yourself. Um, assumptions, you deal with yourself, um, hormonal responses, Mm -hmm. you deal with your own, um, your own issues. That's going to make the difficult more, uh, the situation more difficult. Yeah. You need to take ownership of it and spin it back onto you. It's th- it's the thing of extreme ownership. It's leadership. It's there's no such thing as a bad employee, only bad leaders. Mm-hmm. It's the karate kid. There's no such thing as bad students, just bad sensei. You know, it's it's all the same stuff. Is like yeah. it's pull it back into you. How can yeah. I change the situation and not by coming over the top and be like, yeah. "You're a difficult person. Right. You're a pain in the ass, huh? Yeah. What's wrong with you today?" Mm-hmm. Tactful.
1: Got it. All right. So that's three numbers every gym should, well, actually six numbers every gym owner should know, Uh, three ways to get organized and three ways for you to get better at dealing with difficult people. Rock and roll. We'll see everybody next week. You can get every episode of Chasing Excellence wherever you listen to your podcasts or on YouTube. Until next time, thank you for listening.